Welcome back to the Petcash Pod presented by Profluence Sports. I'm your host, Andrew Petcash. As always, interviewing, having conversations with some of the top founders, investors, executives, athletes in the sports world. Today, we have CEO of the Sporting News, Rich Routman on, has a very impressive background in sports, previously the president and CRO of Minute Media, now valued at about a billion dollar company. He's done a bunch of other stuff in the space from Exos Digital to Perform Group, and uh, now... 1886 Sporting News was founded. He jumped in last year to take over as the uh, chief executive officer. They've raised 15 million. They've done an investment in a sports betting play. A bunch of other cool stuff that we talk about today. So many great insights. You'll enjoy this one. Rich is a great dude. Great listen. And uh, yeah, anyway, let's dive right into it. Cool. Let's do it. Rich, appreciate you coming on today and uh, excited to dive into TSN and uh, the, the sports media space, which is a fun and, and a lot of money flowing around it these days. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Obviously, uh, I think it's well within the wheelhouse of things that you guys talk about and have a lot of good perspectives on. So uh, thanks for having me and uh, look forward to digging in. Of course. And I actually want to start here. Uh, because this is really, and you've been in media and different stuff for a long time, but Minute Media, very well-known firm company in the uh, sports media world, acquisition of Players Tribune, et cetera. You know, any learnings from that that uh, you're sort of taking over into TSN now and, and just even how the landscape's changed over the last 10, 15 years since, uh, since you got going there? Because it feels like every day there's new innovation in the media space. Yeah. I mean, there was a point in time where we were not very well known. I will tell you, it was quite <laughs> tough during that time frame. I mean, uh, and I was working for, and I started out when I had a great partner in a soft and he's, he's just a really, really smart entrepreneur and he's, you know, had no real experience in sport media. So we kind of really complimented each other in that regard, but it on the surface, yeah, we, we did a great job minute media. I took that business from, you know, a couple people and a big tech team to you know, um, 500 plus people around the world, you know, access to a lot of different capital, make some great acquisitions, but it wasn't easy. Uh, I'll tell you that much, you know, when I was sitting at the WeWork with a couple of editors trying to figure out what we wanted to be <laughs> when we grew up, it was not exactly, you know, uh, we did not, we had an aspirational plan, but you always question whether you're going to get there or not. And that changed from six people to 12 people, 12 to 18. And I think that, you know, if I reflect upon the experience of Minute Media, I think that you know, sports media has a lot of shiny objects. And I think that investors tend to gravitate towards, you know, some, some smart investors will gravitate towards practicality, but a lot of investors always gra also gravitate towards shiny objects. And I felt like we probably had the, I, the ability to, to build shiny objects in the future because you have to have a front door and people have, have to want to come to your house. But we really focused on building practicality at first. And, you know, I think, you know, Israeli technology people, because we had a lot of them, are great at building products. UX, UI, maybe maybe you would say that's not the, the best area of their focus, but when it comes to building products that work and are scalable, I think we did it as good as anybody in the industry. And, you know, when Asaf and I really started to make progress with the businesses and we started to focus on less things. And I'm sure you hear that all the time from different people. But the reality for us is that there were so many different places that we could have invested capital with everything that was going on at that time. It was 
player-led media. It was digital audio. It was social marketing. It was our own studio that would create original content slates. It was licensing. And I was like, man, we cannot do all of these things, guys. We got to do right, right now. We don't do anything really well. You know, let's find one area that we can do really good. And if it works and everybody focuses on just this one thing for the next 12 months, you know, you don't get to do anything fun, right? You're just going to focus on this one thing and it's going to be hard. And if that works, you get the privilege of moving on to the next thing. Because I think that that in a startup, at least for us at that time, you know, and with a board of really smart people and smart investors, it was like KPI based reporting around that one thing. And finally they were like, Hey guys, you can, you could do more stuff now, you know, like it's working. Right. And I think it gave us the confidence to expand into other areas, eventually start acquiring companies and really building it into a, you know, I mean, Minute Media is not a small business anymore. You know, I mean, it's uh, on the revenue side, it's, it's significant. It employs a lot of people, probably worth close to a billion dollars or even more. And I'm just, I was really proud of what we were able to accomplish. I will tell you, it was really hard. And I kind of, I had the itch to scratch one more time. And so here I am and we're trying to do it all over again. A lot of things have changed from then to now in our industry. So it's more acclimating to where I think things are going. But yeah, I mean, uh, I have a tendency sometimes to be too early or too late with some of the plans that I put together. I think, you know, we just try to time it the right way. And that's how we, that's how we extract the value. Yep. And now uh, the sporting news, TSN is where you're at. Did you come in 20, well, 21, right? It was an acquisition into the business and then you guys just raised money. So sort of where did you fall? You know, what, and obviously what was the opportunity you saw then to jump into this, which is sort of similar to what you were doing at Minute, but obviously different, like you mentioned. Yeah, it's similar, but different. I hope that they're always a little bit different, right? I mean, if you're doing the same thing over, you know, the 20 plus years that I've been doing this, you probably won't do it for much longer. So, you know, after I had... Uh, decided to leave uh, Minute Media and move to more of a, a part-time role with the business because, you know, to be fair, six years at a startup is like 20 years anywhere else. You know, I, I was kind of enjoy. I moved my family down to South Florida, get my kids closer to their grandparents. I grew up down here, my wife's parents. And I was like, it's time for me to prioritize life more than business. I'd never done that. You know, I've been all in, you know, for uh, what felt like a really long period of time. And I picked up some consulting gigs and was working with a bunch of really interesting startups. And, and I was like, man, I, I don't really like this that much. You know, like I'm, I'm introducing the same entrepreneur to the same 12 people for every single business that I, uh, I work with. And one of those uh, consulting clients was TSM. And, you know, I'm, I'm working with them and they're about to extract the business from the zone and we're putting together this plan around where we think we could take the business going forward and what's the thesis around how you extract new value. And they were like, uh, and I already knew the players, right? I've been working with Sean for years in my previous venture and worked with Martin and worked with John Gleaser. And these are all guys I like, these are my friends more than anything else. And they're like, why, why don't you just come and do this on a full-time basis? And I was like, oh man, I knew that's where this was <laughs> headed. You know, you tricked me. Right. And, uh, but I couldn't pass up on that opportunity, A, because I think if you have the right people and you have the right product and you have access to capital, you have a much, you have a lower chance of failure. You know, I'm not saying you have a higher degree of success because those things depend on your execution. But when I kind of looked across, I'm like, man, I got, got John. I trust him. He founded the zone. He found a perform. He's just, he is the, this guy knows media, period, hard stop. You got Sean, who I've already worked with for years, a close friend, and Martin. I think we have a really good plan now. 
And if we can raise capital around that plan, yeah, I'm in guys, let's go. I guess a year and a few months <laughs> later, we've been going after it really hard and um, we've been able to show the progress that we want to show. And now it's kind of given us the confidence to invest in some new areas. Yeah. And, and it's funny now hearing the first part and where you're at now, you just raised 15 million um, in the sporting news. I didn't realize 130 year, 137 years old or something crazy. 137 uh, years young, you know, for sure. Yeah, okay. uh, but it's a better uh, way to spin it. Yeah. Which I try to spin it up, but yes, the reality is, but I think with the thesis that we have around where we want to take the, where we think there's opportunity for someone like ourselves, SEO and URL density and a credible sports brand plays a significant role in that overarching endeavor. So yes, there is a lot of rich history and no, we're not going to republish articles from 1914, right? Um, <laughs> but I do think that there's a lot there to build on top of. I think that for us, it was, can we utilize sporting news as the proving ground for our business model going forward? Because arguably, to your point, if you could do this with a 137-year-old brand, there's a lot of other brands that could benefit from the same type of integration. So um, yes, we raise capital. It won't be the last capital we ever raise. I think it's, uh, and we're always looking at strategic opportunities to bring the right type of capital into the business, not just capital, capital into the business. And I think that it was tough out there, man. You know, raising capital right now. And when you say the word media, people are like, no, thanks. You know, so I think having a, something that we really felt like we could stand behind and an approach that we thought was differentiated. Everybody thinks you're differentiated, but you know, an approach that we really, really truly felt in our, in our hearts was differentiated, enabled that kind of first round of capital. And hopefully, you know, uh, it'll kind of push us to the next level in terms of where we're going. And in terms of differentiation, uh, I know a bunch of your PR releases, which, you know, they are what they are, but a lot on focusing less on ads and more on this long-term value through, uh, I believe you said commerce and transactions or something, you know, is that sort of where you see the media space going? Is that where you're just trying to innovate with, with TSN or, you know, where's that sort of fall in line of like media moving away from ads and sort of to, and I think that probably also ties into the investment you guys made in Superdraft, but anyway, sort of tying it all together there. Yeah. I don't think it's the media moving away from ads, but I will say that, you know, um, the digital media landscape is there's a lot of distractions. And, you know, I think that when you, when you kind of boil it back, right, if you and I go look at history, because I think history usually informs where the heck we're going to take the go forward. Right. But you have mm -hmm. publishing businesses five years ago and when the industry moved to programmatic and there was less RFPs and they had all these sales guys in the market, they're like, we got to build up these other units, right? Social became extremely prevalent. People launched studios, people got into ad tech. They got into doing a lot more branded content, which is, you know, it can be very low margin uh, by the time you access talent, build the production infrastructure and so on and so forth. And I was like, and there's a bunch of other areas. And I was like, man, these are great top line growth drivers in terms of revenue, but none of them really make a lot of money. And none of them take advantage of your kind of core competency of bringing people to a destination and commercializing those people at that place the most significant way. And so when I kind of looked at all those fundamentals, I was like, with the ad market either flatlining or growing down, you know, you can argue it's one or the other, depending on how high quality you are or you aren't. I think it was about what is a secondary revenue stream that takes advantage of the core strengths you already have. And because you can build a whole bunch of tertiary businesses. You know, you right. could build a great 
podcast platform, which I believe in. You can build a social marketing business. You can build an MCN on YouTube, but those are all ground up from scratch builds. What can I build on top of something that would allow us to yield better, right? And I think that, yes, there's a, there's a pivot towards the affiliate space. There's a pivot towards LTV, but actually it's incremental revenue on top of what we already do well, because I think digital media businesses need a secondary revenue stream that doesn't involve another huge cost basis in order to optimize what the business looks like going forward. So that was the lens that I was looking at it through, not this great new thing that we could build and launch. It's we have millions of people that come to a place. Can we get them to do more stuff than just look at 300 by 250s in video ads? Come on, guys, mm. there has to be something <laughs> new here. Seriously, like you go to every publisher sports website on the planet, lead image, subject line, a, uh, a paragraph, an autoplay video, two more paragraphs, tabula or outbrain. Right side of the page, 300 <laughs> by 250, 300 by 250. Everybody is doing the exact same thing. Like there has to be a, a new there there, right? Like what, what are we all doing? I don't want this to, if that was, if that was going to be what this business was going to be about, I am out, like not interested at any level, don't see the potential there and already kind of been there, done that. And I just find it to be less interesting. So it had to be something different in terms of how we were going to approach it. Yeah. A, a comparison I've seen before is uh, they say that the NFL and the media are both copycat leagues, sort of in a way. Like the NFL back in, I was younger, but everyone was running the wildcat and now everyone's doing the push the quarterback sort of from behind. And then it's like people say the same thing happens in media between BuzzFeed and then short form and et cetera. So yeah. And, and, and the other side of that argument is one of the most innovative things the NFL ever did was the red zone, right? And, right. you know, they were able to slice up their rights in a way that they created this new channel, but it already took advantage of rights they owned. You know, I mean, and then you look at Amazon and they're like, they have this huge user base. How can they, rather than just shopping, can they get into another aspect? All of these businesses, I think that have been really successful are building on top of an already existing infrastructure, not building on the side of. You know, I, so when I really, I mean, in Minute Media, we did a little bit of both. I think uh, obviously at TSN, we are exclusively focused on building on top of rather than building a secondary, entirely new division with entirely new people that doesn't take advantage of our core competency. And how much does sports betting sort of play into all this? Because even looking at your investment in Superdraft, which is fantasy sports, player props, you know, has that had a pretty big impact on media and sports as a whole? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, you know the answer to that question, right? Um, <laughs> but I think obviously it has a big impact on the sports industry as a whole. Number one, what other category in sports, at least in the U.S. on a standalone basis, is going to create $50 billion of new regulated cash, right? You know, uh, there's, you run towards that, you don't walk, right? Uh, number one, I think if you zoom out, it's not just the U.S. You know, uh, I think we have a tendency to look at things through the U.S. mindset, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of other markets that are becoming regulated markets in sports betting around the world that could may not be as significant as the U.S. given you know what the U.S. brings to the table in terms of propensity to spend. But Canada just became a regulated sports betting market. Brazil just became a regulated sports betting market. I think Japan will become a regulated sports betting market in the next two years. There's already existing scale in Australia and a lot of parts of Europe. So, you know, our definitely sports betting plays a role. It plays a role in our business globally, 
I think that the state-by-state rollout in the U.S. also makes it hard to extract the kind of value that you want to extract in the near term for the U.S. But yeah, man, we got to build the mousetrap and the mousetrap just can't work here. It's got to work everywhere. So, you know, when we think about how we architect that product, there may be some market acclimation and some local language scope to how you would approach in other places. But if you build the mousetrap the right way, it should be scalable enough to work in other markets. What's AI's impact in all of this? Because I know you, you said at Minute Media, you went Well, you're from, not you know, even six... talking to me. You're talking to an AI version of me right now. So I think that that, you know, definitely, you never know. You never <laughs> I know. Mean, ba- um, yeah. I mean, f- I mean, just even if you look at your employees at Minute Media from 6 to 12 to 18 to whatever that was at, you know, does that change hiring on building media entities? Does it, I mean, what, just actually just AI in general and content and media, it seems like I was hoping it would, you know, take over some of the jobs that were like labor, but instead it's taking over sort of these creativity jobs, but we'll see. Um, obviously I'm sure you have some better insights. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, to reflect back on the previous experience and then to kind of land the plane on, you know, the current state of play for us. I mean, I think, and it wasn't AI at the time during the media, media, you know, that wasn't as pervasive as it is today. Um, but I think that for, for a digital media business, we had a oversized investment in technology. I mean, there was way more people in technology than there was in content creation. And I think that, you know, um, for every great editor and content creator that we hired, we hired three or four developers, man, you know, and we just, it was, that was the vision that we were committed to. We wanted to be a, a content business, but we wanted to be valued as a technology business. And I think that that was how we kind of architected the plan. And for mid media, it really worked. You fast forward to the sporting news, which we don't have a significant, as, as significant of a technology investment, although we're making more, that's why you raise money and so on and so forth. I think AI plays a role. I think that, you know, there's a lot of vanilla content that you get in sports news, right? There's a lot of where to watch. There's a lot of where the, what time the game is on. There's a lot of scores and stats. There's, there's a lot of content in a sports media business that can be automated and can be leveraged. And then you can leverage AI and really interesting products to surface that content without having to have human interference, right? That being said, I mean, outside of the live broadcast, the sports business is about storytelling. And I think that you can use AI to inform and to give you the baseline facts, you know, but if AI were that pervasive, would Stephen A still have a job? I don't think Stephen (laughs) A would have a job, right? I mean, you know, the reality is, is that the sports business and the sports personalities that underpin that business still play a meaningful role. I think that other industries carry far more risk than sports, where there's a recipe on how to make a piece of you know, a bowl of chili, you know, there's pretty much going to be a standard recipe, you know, like at the end of the day, you may want it spicy or you may want to use more chili peppers than somebody else, but AI is going to have a much more interesting impact on some of the other categories in media than I think it'll have on sports because, you know, people want to be informed about literally everything that's going on from Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, which is driving everybody's page views right now Crazy. to, you know, even the basic scores and stats. So I think for us, it's about leveraging AI for the aspects of the operation that we feel like are fact-based and that you can utilize technology to surface those facts. How we surround those facts with interesting opinions is why we employ what we think are great content creators and how they create really interesting narratives from those facts. But if they're not using AI to gather those facts, if they're not doing research on ChatGPT, it's a whole new set of tools that they never had access to before. Mm. I mean, we used to have to go to the library to look up this stuff, man. You know, like 
you don't need to do that anymore. If it doesn't make them more efficient, instead of doing, I guess the question, you know, is should the guy or the gal that is uh, producing content for you, should AI make them produce at a higher volume or should it make them produce stuff that is much more impactful? That I don't know the answer to yet because I'm not saying more equals better. It was about five or six years ago where you started to see publishers do these kind of, you know, automated content creation tools and, you know, started to use it in text and then it moved to video with Wibbits and a whole bunch of these other things. That content really sucked. Yeah, that's not like that, that stuff. That stuff was terrible, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, there's a role for it, but I think it's more to inform the baseline parts of the story and then to build the narrative on top of it. That's the way I look at it. You sit across a lot of, I mean, I know you're in the media business, but you sit a lot across every sports vertical. Any any trends in sports you find interesting just from a top level seeing a bunch of different stuff every day? Yeah, uh, oh God, I mean, a lot, right? Um, I'm interested to see what the second and third tier sports leagues do because at the end of the day, the top guys command the top dollars and the second and third tier guys are either going to have to go D to C and work with people like ourselves to surface that content direct to consumer. There are more, you could argue there's more bidders for rights than there were in the past, but there's less bidders of meaningful substance. You know, I think it's really interesting that the biggest companies in sports media are becoming streaming companies. You know, uh, these guys were news businesses and they were live sports businesses. And now they're all becoming streaming businesses because without cable, they're really going to struggle. So there's this huge inflection point that's happening there. I think the death of the RSN business, although it's not, it's not all dying, is going to give birth to a lot of new consumption habits. And you're going to see a bunch of new players come into that space relatively quickly. And then I, I think that the, I mean, obviously it's, you'd argue maybe it's self-serving, but I, I really do feel like the endpoint transaction in sports is far more diversified than it was five years ago. You know. Me and you, we, we, we own it. We own our jerseys and we buy tickets to the game. That was the extent of the sports shopping experience, you know, uh, five, five years ago, maybe the beer you buy on site, you know, and the pretzel, yeah. you know, now all of those platforms are digital transactions. Sports betting has become a, a farm for those, right? Uh, there's a surplus in sports books. There'll be a huge amount of consolidation there. No one knows where to watch the game because there's been all these new rights holders and all these new channels and league pass here and red zone there. And that just covers off the top end of the funnel. So I'm also interested to see how, you know, um, these new transactional platforms emerge. I mean, obviously Fanatics does a great job, right? I mean, no one is questioning that in a $30 billion market cap or wherever they're covering right now. They're, they, if anybody tells you there's a more interesting sports business to look at than Fanatics, I think they're lying. I, I mean, with the value that they've been able to build when everybody else was standing still in that category has surpassed even the value of some of the biggest leagues in the world. So uh, I mean, there's still there's still a lot of stuff to kind of cover and to and to follow, and you know, but there's um, I guess I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't necessarily if I wasn't excited about the new areas of sport that I think you could either take your business into or even possibly commercialize. Yeah, those are all uh, those are good trends, definitely to keep an eye on. I guess yet. I think this is good. I don't think we, I think we've covered everything. What is it? The sportingnews.com, tsn.com. What, where, yeah, uh, no, where you, you, you mentioned, you mentioned players tribune and the interest in talking about that a little bit. I don't know if there was something that came to mind that you wanted to, you know, go through on, on that front, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I hope it was well-informed. I hope we accomplished what you were looking for. I think that there's going to be still a lot of changes, a lot more consolidation. I think, you know, one thing I was talking to uh, a friend about this morning is 
who are the buyers for sports publishing businesses now? Because you build up a nice audience, you build up a nice content vertical. Years ago, there was like five or six people you would call, right? You know, uh, with the digital media market being so a little softer, private equity money is probably not moving into that space. I think you're seeing a lot of sports content assets be acquired more so by sports betting businesses. You kind of look back the last few years, they've probably been more active on the acquisition front than the rest of the media industry. So I don't know, maybe to your earlier question, it's like sports betting companies want to become media companies and media companies want to become sports betting companies, you know, like uh, we're going to try to build, try to build something in the middle, you know, that serves both sides. We'll see how that goes. I love it. Well, we'll uh, keep an eye on it and uh, I'm sure there'll be a bunch more, uh, acquisitions, news, cool stuff coming from your side now that uh, you're rolling there and building it I up. I hope after. so, man. You know, yeah. fingers crossed we're, we're making progress. It's hard work. You know, it is like 6 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. in Vegas right now. I'm out here for G2E grinding away, but <laughs> I, I think it's, a, yeah, I mean, hopefully it's a, it's a step-by-step process, but we're directionally, I like where we're headed. And I think the commitment from the people inside the business is the most important thing to in order for us to get there. Because if they don't believe in it, then there's only so much I can do. Well, so, well, yeah, Rich, appreciate you hopping on. I know. Uh, appreciate your time, man. Nice, nice, nice to meet you. And I look forward to touching base and deal whenever you're ready. Cool.